Hello, everybody. We're back for another episode of Brownie Points. I'm Dan. And I'm Nick. And this is the podcast where a guy with a film degree and a guy whose team beat the Minnesota Vikings talk to you about movies on this week's Brownie Bites segment episode. We have a lot of news to talk about. We got a trailer. We got some news about the Batman. We have an update on the state of theaters. And we're going to let you know exactly what happened while we were off last week. All that and more. Someone left a rehearsal for a wedding in an ambulance on a stretcher. (laughs) All that and a little more on this week's episode of Brownie Points. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show! Hopefully you didn't miss us too much while we were off last week. Uh, like I said, we... There it is. <laughs> There's that sound you've been missing for two weeks. Ah, uh, yes, that sweet, sweet can pop. Uh, <laughs> like we mentioned last week, we were off for a pretty enormous life event for one of us. Uh, Nick, how about you remind listeners why we were out of their ears last week? Uh, I convinced someone to spend the rest of their life with me, so we had to make that legal. Woo! Uh, Congratulations! <laughs> Woo! Thank you. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Corum. <laughs> I almost said Mr. and Mrs. Corum. Mr. and Mrs. Mahan, officially, listeners. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. Someone left a rehearsal on a stretcher, and then <laughs> I made a joke about someone falling during introductions at the... Uh, uh, reception and like where they announce you into the reception and then someone fell. So I learned not to crack jokes that entire weekend, um, which for me is very hard to do. But yeah, it's pretty good time. Aside from you know what happened at the rehearsal, uh, kind of start with that. Um, we were again. This is not made up. Dan can cooperate along with like ten other people. So we're done with the rehearsal and we're about to leave. Uh, pretty much uh, all of the wedding party is still there. So all the groomsmen, all the bridesmaids, uh, me and Kelsey, and then um, the wedding planner is there. And my uncle, my aunt, my cousin, and my cousin's kid, uh, the three women and the kid, or no, the, my aunt and cousin are in the bathroom with my cousin's kid. So they didn't go to the bathroom. My uncle's just sitting there waiting for them to get done. And all the wedding party is about to walk out the door and we hear what sounds like a sign fall over or like maybe someone knocked over like a decorative bowl. And so we're like, that's kind of weird. And we turn around and we go to walk back in and see what's going on. And we hear my uncle go, are you okay? And I was like, you don't ask that to a sign or a bowl. And then um, we hear uh, no, my nose. And I was like that a bowl doesn't talk or a sign doesn't talk. And then as we, hear that and come around the corner to where we can see there is an old lady laying like just on her face on the ground and kelsey uh kicked into nurse mode along with one of her bridesmaids and then my sister who's got her doctorate in chiropractics uh all kick into medical mode and then my cousin who was in the bathroom came out because she heard the commotion she's a first responder so she comes out and then we just see 
Like at first, Kelsey didn't know that her grandma had left. I didn't know that both of my grandmas were not in the building anymore. So when I heard an old lady say, no, my nose after a thud, I, we all were like, uh-oh, it's our grandmas. So then we find out it's neither of our grandmas. So we're in shock. Then we're in shock to find out our wedding planner is laying face first in a pool of blood. And <laughs> You're not exaggerating. Conscious. This was an actual, like, at least from my perspective, it was like a pool of blood. So Kelsey's the first one that gets to this lady. Um, I'm like maybe the third. Uh, so I go to where like my cousin and my aunt ran back into the bathroom. I was standing just outside the door because they were in heels. I was like, I'm in tennis shoes. I can get there faster. Uh, so I wait for them to come out and give me a bunch of paper towels. So I run over and I get paper towels, give them to the, the ladies. Because what's kind of ironic about this is every single person that was in the wedding party on the girl's side other than the maid of honor was a was a nurse or a doctor so uh doctor chiropractic whatever uh they know <laughs> they know medical stuff my groomsmen on she the other how, hand she knew how to pop her back back at this place like <laughs> well she knows a lot of she knows a lot of medical stuff i'm just saying like she's not like a er doctor or anything like that um <laughs> yeah, but she... <laughs> so she like there well, they're all they're all like, uh, you know, like trained in this. And then you have the groomsmen who don't. Most of them don't handle blood very well and don't know what they're doing in these situations. Yeah, there's. So we were all like, oh, <laughs> there's, there's paper towels. We need paper towels because there's blood everywhere. There's, and there's, then we got them paper towels, and then I I help them <laughs> sit this lady up, and then then uh, one of the uh, bridesmaids looks at me and goes, "Can you call nine one one?" I was like, uh, "Mike's doing that." And he was like standing at the door because Mike does not do well with blood. So he's standing at the doorway and they've got uh, uh, paper towels on this lady's face. And I at some point I did see what was going on. And I, I saw that it wasn't like coming out of her nostrils. She had split the bridge of her nose open. And what I didn't know, because I got a very, very, very glancing look. Apparently, she split the bridge of her nose lengthwise down to the bone. So there, like, I helped this lady sit up and I was like, we have to find a first aid kit and we run and we go and we get to f finally find a first aid kit, like in one of the furthest places from the, from the sanctuary. It, this was right outside the sanctuary. So then we run back. Uh, and Tyler is the one, Tyler was, uh, one of the groomsmen and he has a partial disability because he like messed up his knee in the, uh, the air force. So he's like hobble running back over. And then we like, we get back there and they're all taking care of her. And then they were like, well, we need someone to wait outside for the ambulance. And I was like, I'll do it. And so I walk outside and I'm standing there and I can hear the ambulance. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to stand out here. And as soon as I see the lights, I'm going to start waving to like, Hey, come to this door. And Dan comes out and, uh, He's like, have, he's like, what's, uh, have you heard it? I was like, yeah, it's on its way. So then we go back and apparently this lady never lost consciousness and they got her on the stretcher. I helped stand her up, get her on the stretcher. They wheel her out as she's leaving. I'm holding the door open so they can get the stretcher out. She goes, I'll see you tomorrow. And I was like, uh, you sure? Cause you probably broke your nose and you for sure will need stitches. And 
so we're sitting there waiting to go to the go to the rehearsal dinner. Kelsey is just covered in blood, uh, as well as oh, my sister yes. and and Brooke, the other bridesmaid. So they go to the bathroom. They go to clean up. I can't remember if it was you or Tyler came up to me. They're like, "How are you doing?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm just." A, I okay. Another thing to throw out there. So we signed the marriage certificate. This is something that I learned this weekend. Apparently, you don't like. Sometimes you sign it at the rehearsal. This was one of those times. And so I had just signed my marriage certificate. I was also nervous for the next day. And then I watched my wedding planner take a nosedive and have to leave on an ambulance. I'm kind of shook up. And someone comes up to me and they're like, so how you doing, bud? And I was like, oh, fine. I just but I just signed the biggest document of my life. And I watched my wedding planner take a nosedive and have to leave on a stretcher. Otherwise, I'm great. And so... We yeah, did. that was definitely Tyler. That was not me. I I, yeah. I talked to you at the an- I talked to you when the ambulance pulled up, but I did not ask you that specific question. <laughs> so, we we get done, and it's like, all right, is everyone cleaned up? Yeah, I was like, all right, we're gonna go to the rehearsal uh, dinner. And oh, I forgot to mention the part where, as we're looking for the first aid kit, my father in law just happened to be there still with my mother in law. <laughs> And, like, we run up to him, and he's on the phone, and I was like, Did you, do you know what's going on? And I don't even remember what he said, and I was like, yeah, she's over there. And I, like, ran away, like, to go find a first aid kit. I was like, I don't know. Um, but so we leave, and me and Kelsey are, like, driving driving out to the uh, rehearse, rehearsal dinner. Her dress, first of all, luckily, she hated this dress. She got it, like, a month or two before, wore it a couple times. And, like, after the second time, she was like, I hate this dress. So she did not mind just throwing this dress away. But it's covered in blood. And she's like, hey, I need you to stop by. Um, so we stay. Our reception was at a golf course in southern Indiana. And they have condos there. And so everyone that was in the wedding got a condo for the weekend. So we stopped out there so she could change her clothes and then go to the rehearsal dinner, which was right the, the condos on the way. And so I drop her off and she changes and we get out there. And the guy that I'm named after is right by the door when we get to the rehearsal dinner. And my brother-in-law, Mike, goes, Hey, Nick, have you ever met uh, Have you ever met uh, Nick, like the guy I'm named after? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm sorry, I really need a beer after, after the past two hours. And so I go to get a beer. I get my drink, and they're like, well, once you guys have your drink, you'll go sit down and we'll start the dinner. And so we walk in, as we're walking in, someone, I think it was one of my aunts goes, oh, Kelsey, you changed. And we're like, did you not hear why we're, why aren't we're over an hour late? And they're like, oh yeah. Like, yeah, she was covered in blood. So uh, other than that, I still think (laughs) other than that, it went pretty smooth. I think honestly, that would have been the most badass thing if not on her arms and all that, because I remember seeing the blood on her arms, but like if she just walked in with the blood on her dress, it was just like, I saved somebody's life. Where's the buffet and where's my drink? Like, how awesome that would have been burger. if she walked in just like. <laughs> <laughs> how awesome that, that would have been if that she is just walked in like, like that. like top five. That is one of my top five most proud moments I've ever had of Kelsey. I was like, okay, now I get like. It's funny because I what's funny is that entire weekend I managed to stay pretty calm. Like I didn't get overly emotional and I did a pretty good job of keeping my nerves in check until like the last like 2 hours before the wedding. But Yeah, you did. Up yeah. until that point, up until that point I was pretty calm. I really was. Like I was keeping her calm and just like, "Hey, 
like we set up at the reception that morning was, like i kept her calm through most of it i kept everything pretty relaxed and then kelsey was freaking out the entire time and then when we like at the moment we realized what was going on with the wedding planner uh we completely flipped where she suddenly felt super calm and in control and totally fine and i was like oh my god uh, someone's gonna die like freaking out <laughs> and yeah i i managed i managed to calm down i slept terribly the night before <laughs> like we went to Dan and Justin uh, came over to the room I was staying in the night before the wedding, and I went to bed at two thirty. And I woke up an hour later with an uh, with an upset stomach, and I slept maybe two hours. Woke up again with another upset stomach. So I got less than four hours of sleep because I woke up at four thir- or six thirty. And so this is we're this is after the day. this is after you. This is after Justin and I spent what from. Like eleven o'clock to two a.m. So we get back. At least we we get we get back and like I get in my room that I'm separate from Kelsey for the night because I I I believe in that superstition I guess and uh so we go we go get me in like my isolated room for the night and we're sitting there and or we get back and I was like you guys need to come up to this room and talk with me or I'm going to sit in that room in complete silence for like three hours and try to go to sleep at two in the morning and so we just well, hung out and just put, like told stories for two and a half two and a half three hours yeah and you put me and Justin up in the same room so like we both just shot each other a glance like we saw the same text message and I was like I'm not tired and Justin's like well, I'm not tired either. So <laughs> that's what we decided yeah. to just walk to your room together. Like, <laughs> yeah. So we, we go the next day, we go to do the wedding and everything's pretty normal at this point, except for one of, one of my groomsmen, uh, Hughes, he races, uh, uh, wingless sprint cars, uh, for listeners who don't know who he is, races wingless sprint cars. And he had, uh, he, at the time, was and as far as i know still is leading a points chase at a certain track and he was like hey is there any way i can go do my race on friday and like i'll be there all day saturday whatever you need he's like but this is really huge for my uh my team if i if i have a shot at winning this and i was like yeah dude as long as i the exact words to him were just be there on saturday that's all i care about and frankly, no one ever misses re- anything at a rehearsal. So he shows up, he sits down, we're all hanging out in my room in the morning, and I just looked at him and I was like, you missed a lot at the rehearsal. And he goes, what I missed? And I was like, well, <laughs> someone left on an ambulance and in a stretcher. And then Dan and Dan looks at him and he goes, not an exaggeration. <laughs> yeah, he he definitely missed a lot. It was, oh my God. So Luckily, that was the most so, notable thing. That well, besides you guys, besides you guys actually getting married, which was an awesome ceremony. Honestly, like standing up there was really cool. But outside of the actual, dude, ceremony, you were shaking that so bad when you handed thing. me the rings. You were shaking Wait, so bad again? when you handed me the rings. So Dan, Dan was my best man, and we didn't have like a ring bearer, or flower girl, or anything like that. So Dan had the rings in his pocket. And when they said, you know, that we need the rings, that he goes and opens the box and his hands are shaking real bad. And your hands were shaking so bad. I think I told you, I almost said, I'm the one getting married. Calm down. I almost said that to you. <laughs> Dude, in the moment, like, I'm just standing there. And by the way, I'm still a little miffed at, like, 
the fact that all of us, like, I didn't vote for this, but I got outvoted. Like, I'm just throwing that out there. If anyone wants to dispute it, that was in the party. We all decided to just stand with our hands on our sides instead of cross-armed or behind our back. I, so, like, I'm I not was used about to, to with say, my arms like, because I remember when this vote happened, again, when, when this vote happened, it's like an hour before the wedding. I'm pretty freaked out at this point. So I was going to say, stand there with your hands crossed in front of your chest, left over right. And then I just heard someone go, so we're just doing by sides. And then like two other people went, yeah. And I was like, okay, never mind. So yeah, I got outvoted. Mike was the one that was like, uh, bigger people kind of look awkward when we do that. So let's just do it by our sides. Like, <laughs> sorry, Mike, I'm throwing you under the bus well, a little bit, but. <laughs> well, So yeah, I'm well, just standing there to, awkwardly. To I'm his, not. To I'm his... not. <laughs> To his yep. credit, his wedding is the one where we got ultra slim fit suits for guys like almost all my size or bigger. So we have experience with guys not looking like they fit in their suits. Me and him. <laughs> like I get where he was coming from, but at the same time, I was just like, you know how awkward that is with all of us just standing with our arms on our sides. So I'm just staying there just like. I'm paying attention to you guys, but at the same time, like, the back of my head is just like, oh, my God, like, this is so weird with my hands. And then, uh, Dude. like, so so I'm conscious about both things happening. And then when uh, uh, Courtney actually pointed this out to me before, like, I didn't realize in the moment, like, how awkward me giving the rings was. <laughs> until Courtney told me after the reception. He could not get or, the, uh, until, the ring box out of his pocket. Yeah, Courtney told me this while you guys were taking photos, uh, not at the reception. While you guys were taking photos, Courtney asked me what what the hell happened with my jacket. And uh, they got caught in my, between the size of my hands, which aren't that big, by the way. Between, like, me, like, putting my hand in my pocket from and how deep they see, were in got, the pocket. It got, like, stuck. It got, from what I could see, it got stuck on, like, a seam. Yeah, the, the seam of the pocket got caught on my knuckles. And as I'm pulling the rings out, I have the rings... But the pocket's stuck on my knuckles at the same time, so, like, I'm struggling, like, <clears throat> okay, come on, like, <laughs> come on, pocket, don't be stingy, like, <laughs> oh, so, like, it takes me, it takes me an extra, like, two seconds to get the rings out of my pocket, and I'm just like, oh, my God, my hand is, my hand is stuck, and then they finally come out, and it's just like, okay, here you go, like, <laughs> Well, but in the moment, funny. like, I went, I, uh, well, your your hands were just so shaky when I took the like helped you open the box and get the rings out. I almost went, I'm getting married, bro. Calm down. Um, but so well, we didn't re we is... didn't rehearse that part. We didn't rehearse that part either. Like, I didn't know if I was taking the rings out of it or like if the pastor was. So like, I was just kind of winging it. But then when my that when my hands down, got caught, that hands down is the fastest wedding rehearsal I've ever been to. Like, I don't know if it was because of my nerves, but dude. We did not cover anything, like, in the middle of the wedding. It basically was, here's how you walk out. Here's how you walk in. Here's how you stand during this. Here's how you walk back to do the sand ceremony. Here's how you walk out again. You're done. Like, Oh, it was faster than mine. Fast. I, yeah. I agree. Well, I, it was faster than mine. I didn't make mine. yours. I, I, I forgot when yours was, and I showed up late. Well, I, I I'm yours, just saying. I thought yeah. yours was like two weeks later than it was, and then you're like, "No, it's this weekend." I was like, "Oh crap, okay." Yeah, no, I I'm just saying from my, from my memory. Yeah, it was faster than mine. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, so we get married. Reception goes pretty good, other than Justin totally eats it when he him and uh, uh, Brooke were introduced. <laughs> uh, apparently, oh Tyler that little 
that little exchange that we had when Kelsey was just like, oh my god, what happened? Yeah. And then I'm just like, Kelsey, it's fine, it's fine. He died, but he's fine. No, like- <laughs> no, no, no. So we're, we're standing there, we're standing there, and where we're standing at, we can see them, because wa- you walk in and take an immediate sharp right. And, yeah. I mean, you can see, like, you can see, like, a step after that right from where we're at. And so we're standing there, and we hear, like, the names get announced, we hear applause, and then, like, two, t- like, two or three seconds go by, and we hear, ooh. And me and Kelsey are at the very back, and we're like, what is ooh? <laughs> and I'm just and a think, position ahead of you, so I tried to calm you I down think, uh, with uh, with Courtney or whatever her name was, and I was just like, oh, yeah. they're, they're dead, they're fine. Like, <laughs> you, you just go, someone fell down, and Kelsey goes, someone fell down! And I was like, are you sure? So... We walk in, yeah. we get introduced, and then I actually asked someone, I was like, did one of my groomsmen totally eat it? Like, someone that was, like, sitting out there is my boss. I was like, did one of my groomsmen totally eat it while walking in? He goes, I got it on video. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was that the video that you sent all of us? Yeah. <laughs> Where you just see him oh, spin nice. and drop. <laughs> oh, my God. That but, video uh, was so funny. <laughs> yeah, wedding, wedding was good. I appreciate uh I appreciate you and everyone else that was in the party uh, helping out. Uh, I, me and Dan both gave some pretty great speeches. Dan's was uh, in the uh, spirit of the show. He gave a, uh, a uh, like a list of things that I love. Uh, mine was obviously very serious and sincere and no jokes. Um, but yeah, all the speeches were good. Uh, beer was good. Food if somebody. Was good. If somebody recorded both of our speeches, I'd love to share it with the listeners, but I'm not assuming I actually have did, I have a video but... of my speech. I have a video of my speech. One of my old bosses recorded. He didn't catch the part where I checked if the microphone was on. I was like, can you hear me? And I, someone goes, no. And I was like, all right, I heard no, so that means it's on. Um, uh, right on. That part didn't get re- that didn't get recorded, but like the part of my speech that actually was the point got recorded. Oh, dude, right on. That's good. I'm just saying, like, but I'm I glad don't, you... I don't know uh, about any other yeah. speeches. Okay, well, if nothing else, it'll live forever on in our memories. Uh, <laughs> I thought I had I a pretty say, good speech, it, but... <laughs> what, we're, we're, we're still collecting... It's been a pretty busy week since we got married. We're still working on, like, getting photos and videos and stuff. Um, but if there is a version or a copy of Dan's speech, it's pretty good. Like, it's better than... My, mine at Dan's wedding was completely off the cuff. Uh, and Dan's clearly like he put effort into it. Um, I think that's why I you wrote, said you I were wrote late it. that morning, getting to like where all the grooms were hanging out. So you're like, I'm just gonna stay here and write this. Yeah, I I woke up that morning and Justin was already like, because Justin woke up before me. He he bailed and went to your place, and I had the whole apartment or condo. I had the whole condo to myself, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna sit on the porch, look at this golf course, and I'm gonna write my best man speech. Like I already had it in my head, but I just hadn't put pen to paper. So I was just like, oh, you know what? I'm in I'm in seclusion right now. Like I I'm, I'm just going to do it. Even though I yeah. kind of <laughs> I kind of went off the cuff for like the second half of it, but I at least had the bullet points as to like like I need to say like this is 5, this is 4, this is 3, this is 2, so, this is 1, and I kind of so ad-libbed here and there, but the the maid of honor cried during her speech and like as it ended, I turned and looked at him and I was like, you better have tears. And his speech gets over. And I was like, "That." I was like, "That was really good." But why didn't you cry? <laughs> I did get choked up a little bit. Not like, not like yeah. full on. Like when I was watching Warrior choked up. But like, I did get yeah. choked up a little bit. I just I Dan composed middle, myself a little better than Courtney in, did. <laughs> in in the middle of Dan's speech, he just starts shouting, "Turn the ship around!" <laughs> 
Turn the ship around, Ahab. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty good. I had a I had a really good time. Um, it is only going to happen once. That's really what matters. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is only going to happen matters. once. I never want to go through that again. <laughs> oh, dude. And honestly, like, I I can say that I had fun, too. Hanging out with everybody. Like, I hadn't seen uh, Justin Hughes, uh, Tyler. I hadn't seen all those guys. And, or, and Mike, too. I mean, I just saw Mike Xavier with you. But, oh, my God. Xavier. Yeah. That Xavier. was cool to see him again. When... You got to see me wobble, which we're going to try. We're going to figure out which of the videos of me doing the wobble is the best one and put it on social media. Also, is the one where I'm swearing the least. Um, and We'll figure out one to put on social media because you guys will get to watch me do the wobble. It's pretty great. Oh, um, dude, if, if the if the, the audio only, is bad, the, if the audio is bad, I'll figure out a way to make it like a an audio list gif. I'll try to figure out a way to make it a gif. But you guys got to see Nick do the wobble. It's, <laughs> it's It's the only dance I can do and I do it well. My favorite, I, think, I don't know if we'll share it. Uh, my favorite was the one I pointed out to you was uh, it was the last dance that you and Kelsey had of the night. And like you're slow dancing together. You're by yourself. Oh, on sweet the dance Caroline. Floor, literally, it was just I get I, I can't remember the song, but like literally it was only like the wedding it party. Was. And there the was like eight left. people left. Yeah, there's like eight people left at this point, And it was all the wedding party. Yeah, and just you and Kelsey just are having this last dance together, and I thought that was so sweet. So I just pull out my phone. I hold it widescreen instead of, like, cell phone, like, vertical. So, like, I wanted to capture this moment. And you two have this honestly really beautiful moment together. And I thought, oh, this is awesome. I'm glad I'm getting this. And, and then, then I, I can't ruin remember. It. <laughs> I can't remember what you did. Like, Kelsey, it's when the, so- I, it's I when the song Kel- goes, ba, ba, ba. Yeah, like, uh... Kelsey came over and said something to me, but I was kind of uh, inebriated, so I don't remember what she said. But I have video of it where, like, <laughs> her arms are around your shoulders and yours are around her waist. And then, like, you're looking at each other. And then just the way that your mouth goes, it looks like you just go, bah! Like, right in her face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like I, cr- I was crying. I was crying laughing when I watched that. Like... Oh my god, it made me laugh so I, I've hard. gotten so the one funny. last thing I want to end on. The one last thing I want to end on was at some point during the wedding, I think the phrase like look into each other's eyes or something like that was said and I like made a really weird face and like leaned really close into Kelsey and I thought it was much more subtle than it was cuz like every person I've talked to is like that was really funny. Wait, was that at the wedding or at the 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 reception? That was the wedding. That was the actual. I was gonna say you definitely no. You two definitely. I I could only see Kelsey's perspective because I was behind you. But yeah, you at least from what Kelsey's face was, you two definitely made like this big bug eyed, just like ooh, like face at each other. <laughs> that was so yeah, adorable. We, t- we talked like, to each other like we we talked to each other like the entire time. I barely listened to what the pastor had to say. I definitely, I didn't have it at my wedding, like, but during yours, like, I definitely had a couple moments where I'm just staying there listening to him just, like, say just, like, when a man and woman come together, like, I my knees were buckling a little bit, and I was like, oh my god, my, am I gonna actually collapse? Like, I did have a couple of those moments oh, dude. where I was just like, I was like, legs, I, stay awake, stay awake, legs. Like, I was, <laughs> I was consciously trying not to lock my knees, and then Kelsey, like, ten minutes in goes... Uh, you need to not lock your knees. And I went, what? And she goes, you need to not lock your knees. And I was like, they're not locked. And she goes, I was like, I'm moving them. She goes, no, they're locked. And I looked down and apparently my legs were moving at my ankles and my hip, but my knees were locked. And I was like, oh dear God. (laughs) 
Well, I think the biggest thing to take away from uh, everything that we experienced was. Uh, I gotta tell you the hilarious. I gotta tell you the oh, absolutely gonna... hilarious wedding gift that we got. Oh, okay. I was before that. I was just gonna say, listeners, the biggest thing to take away from a wedding is watch where you walk and do not let any of your wedding party just hang their hands on the side. Just don't have them lock and, their hands and or also, put them behind their back. And also, and also, don't leave in an ambulance. Oh, by the way, the, th- the we didn't even say it. The wedding coordinator was there the next day. She she broke her nose, got five stitches, and she's like, <laughs> I got a wedding to do, and showed up the next day. Oh, dude, like a complete badass. I can't believe... My favorite thing about that was Kelsey tol- telling us that, like, she actually knocked on the bridal party's door and was tapping her hand on her wrist, just like, it's time, ladies, it's time. Yeah. Like- <laughs> so, so we signed baseballs for a bunch of people, like family and stuff like that, that helped out throughout the day. But we also signed stuff for the people like at the church and at the reception venue. And we signed hers. Uh, thank you for making our day special. You're one tough cookie. Ah, uh, that's, I remember but, seeing you. I remember you telling me you were doing that. Like, I didn't know that was what you wrote though. That's really cool. Oh yeah. That was when you called me, when you called me Sunday morning and I was like, I'm literally in the reception hall and I'm signing 18 baseballs. I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> um, but no, so the, the really funny wedding gift that we got that actually ties in with the show really well, uh, is we got some gift cards, uh, from someone, uh, for kind of date ideas, like restaurants to go out to. We got an Olive Garden gift card. And when I saw that, yes. when we opened that envelope, I laughed so hard for like five minutes i remember you sending me a picture of that card ah oh, that was beautiful it's chef's kiss that was so perfect <laughs> it was such a good card and they also got us a, so they got us that one i don't know if they know the joke for the show or not but i i like olive garden's food actually as much as we joke about olive garden i actually like their food but we also got a play a gift card to uh to applebee's that's where we went for our first date so that like I was like, that one, obvi-, like, Kelsey goes, I told her that story, and I was like, okay, so that one, obviously, they knew of, and I was like, I kind of wonder if they know the joke about Olive Garden for the show. Oh, maybe. Uh, you'll have to tell me off mic who it was, but, uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe you know better than I do if they'd listen or not, but, oh my god, just, yeah, man, that was a such a fun weekend, such a fun weekend. I even, uh... Or I guess both of us. I don't know how much you talked to her, but uh, we got to even talk to an old uh, high school friend of ours. So, yeah, which is that funny because cool. like, yeah. Or or screw it, I'll name drop her. Uh, hey Shay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if I don't you know if you listen to the show, but that was, that was so funny though because I I had kind of like a heads up that they were like my mom was like yeah the lady at the uh, uh, rehearsal dinner like at the place where we're doing the rehearsal dinner she she said her name and I was like. I mean, that's not a super uncommon name, but at the same time, how many people named that are going to be in this area? And we got there, and I'm clearly rattled from having watched someone leave my rehearsal in a freaking ambulance. And I walk in, and I look at her, and I was like, and she goes, she's like, yeah. And I was like, what are you doing here? Ooh, uh... Tyler, it was funny. I got there before all of you guys. Like, you told me, like, once the ambulance showed up that, uh, uh, to go ahead and go. I was like, all right, cool. So I'm there. I have my drink already. And, uh, I see Tyler first. Like, Tyler shows up to the bar and he's like, oh, uh, well, did you know, uh, she's here? And I'm like, wait, 
no, wait, she's here? And then as I'm saying she's here, I turn around and she's literally right behind me. (laughs) (laughs) She did good. She made that that night very nice. So if you hear that, thanks, Shay. Oh, dude, yeah. No, Shay, you're awesome. That was... That was a great reception, uh, great food, great everything. And I mean, let's, I mean, unless there's any, I don't want to like cut short. Like if, yeah, we should get to the point. We should get to the movie news. It was fun weekend. Thanks dude for making it, uh, helping make it special. And thanks everyone that did make it special and came out despite, you know, everything that was going on and, uh, was safe and practiced, you know, social distancing and mask wearing and stuff like that. And appreciate it. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I, Thank you so much for letting me be a part of it. Thank you to uh, everybody that was there. It was a great weekend. And kudos to the new Mr. and Mrs. Mahan. That's ah, that's awesome. I'm so excited for you guys. So I guess, I don't know, virtual cheers to many, many fruitful years of a wonderful marriage. Finger snaps. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, uh, onward to actual film-related news. Uh, We were off for a week, so there's uh, a lot of stories that happened. Uh, We're obviously not going to cover all of them, given we try to keep the segment around an hour or so. But uh, we do have a couple things that we do want to talk about that have happened. Uh, The first thing, because we can't go more than two weeks without having this recurring segment, who died this week? Even though this actress technically died while we were off, (coughs) <coughs> Excuse me. That was making knees. <laughs> <ease>. uh, <laughs> um, anyway, uh, back on uh, the 10th, uh, September 10th, we lost Diana Rigg. Uh, she was most notable for being in the 007 film On Her Majesty's Secret Service with Sean Connery. She was also in a a TV series on the BBC called The Avengers, which, uh, no, is not an adaptation of the Marvel franchise. It was just a big BBC series in the 60s. Uh, But most notably, uh, for modern, or not modern, more uh, listeners in our age demographic, uh, millennials, let's say, uh, (laughs) she uh, was in Game of Thrones. She played Olena Tyrell, uh, she was the woman in the blue dress, if you don't remember her name. Like, she was always in the blue dress, and uh, she got a couple Emmy nominations for playing uh, that character. She was fantastic in it. I know I watched the show. Nick, I know you haven't, but uh, she really was so good in Game of Thrones. Um, and apologies, listeners, I have a film degree, but no, I have not watched On Her Majesty's Secret Service, so maybe we'll watch it on the show later. But uh, it's worth noting that... Uh, Diana passed away at 82 on September 10th. Uh, so rest in peace to her. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the Rig family. Um, I mean, Nick, do you uh, did you look up anything about her or have anything you want to add uh, about Diana? No, nah, just rest in peace. I, I really don't know anything about her. Okay, well, uh, maybe, I don't know. I'll maybe try to get you to watch an episode of Game of Thrones or two with her in it, but... Uh, <laughs> But anyway, no, we didn't. Uh, we didn't want to sidestep that story, even though it happened technically two weeks ago. By the guy, by the time you guys are listening to us, uh, but yeah, just uh, the last thing I'll say about it was, let Cersei know that I did it. So, 
rest in peace, Diana. We'll miss you. The next thing that we want to talk about uh, is a single trailer that we have for Trailer Talk. There was a couple other trailers that came out that we posted on social media, but uh, we decided that there was only one that was really worth talking about for Trailer Talk. And it is the latest... Yes, it is the latest adaptation. <laughs> it is the latest adaptation of the sci-fi novel Dune. This comes courtesy to us of director Denis Villeneuve, whose films include Blade Runner 2049, Prisoners, Arrival, and Sicario. The, the, the novel, I don't have the author's name in front of me, shame on me, but uh, this was adapted back in the 80s by... David Lynch, of all people? Uh, I don't know why you would pick David Lynch, of all people, to tackle Dune, but hey, uh, it worked out about as well as you would expect. Commercially and critically, it was a massive failure. So, given that Denis Villeneuve is fresh off of making the unmakeable sequel, a sequel to Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2045, it was met with enormous critical acclaim it won a handful of oscars and every other film that he's made except for enemy has been nominated for at least one oscar prisoners was an enormous success uh critically arrival was an enormous success critically uh sicario was an an enormous success critically and they're all have been released under warner brothers so um outside of your reaction to the trailer i want to pose this question because my only reaction to the trailer is that just seeing the knee, the name Denis Villeneuve, it didn't matter what the rest of the footage was. I was going to go see it. I'm a cinema snob. I was going to go see... I'm, I'm going to go see anything that Denis' name is attached to. I just... I am. I know we agree or disagree on Blade Runner, but uh, everything else we generally agree on. Denis is a great director. So what I want to ask you, in addition to your reaction to the actual trailer, is... From a business standpoint, um, I'll actually ask you this after your reaction to the trailer because it's kind of the big question. What did you think of the Dune trailer? I, mean, I thought it looked interesting. I know very, very little about the original Dune or even the book that it's based on, um, but it it looks neat. It looks interesting. Um, I think the only person I actually like thoroughly recognized was Zendaya. Um, it looks neat. You didn't re- I, recognize Jason. You didn't recognize Jason Momoa. Oh yeah. He, oh, by the way, I watched this like two weeks ago, uh, one time. Oh, dude. There's. I could. I <laughs> so could. I, I could list you off. Jason the, Momoa I could, too, I could list you off so many that. cast members. I know you would recognize. Like if you watch it again right now, I know you'd recognize so many other people. So, I thought it looked really neat. I think it's um, kind of the grand epic scale that they're going for that they're showing in this trailer i think it would actually be a really neat movie to watch in imax um i think it looks promising i know nothing about this source material or what the story is really even about um but i will say i'm very interested in this moving forward now it looks pretty interesting dude i'm i'm so pumped for it too like outside of like i already said like whatever denise name is attached to i'm gonna go see it like i i don't care that you you hated blade runner i love blade runner 2049 but uh (laughs) but 
outside not, of that, I'm not like, saying he made. I'm not saying he made a bad movie. He made a movie that's not for me. Right, right, right. Like uh, I don't, I don't think anyway, I will ever. Like, you will ever hear me say that Blade Runner twenty forty nine is a bad movie. It's just very much not my wheelhouse of movie. Right, um, but luckily we agree. Sicario, Prisoners, Arrival, those are all fantastic movies. So, uh, but anyway, uh, I. I haven't seen the original 80s Dune, and I've never seen any of the TV adaptations of it. Like, I know Sci-Fi Channel made one, but I I haven't seen any Dune adaptation. I have not read uh, the Dune book either, because it's one of the, historically one of the densest and most complex sci-fi novels ever written. So, for a long time, the, the, the novel from was Incredibles called... from making that meme about it. He's like, <laughs> it's a podcast. You can't see what I just did, but you all know. Uh, but yes, but uh, but yeah, the the book was called uh, unfilmable for a very long time, especially after. Again, why did you ask David Lynch of all people to try and make this movie? David Lynch probably should have been the last director to do it, but whatever, it happened and it failed. Like it probably should have, but um. So, so now this is what I'm tying into the the the, the bigger question I'm going to ask you because you have the business degree, um. And no, this is not an original question of mine. I actually want to ask you this question because another podcast I was listening to thought about this. And I didn't when I first saw the trailer. From a business standpoint, Warner Brothers has always been behind Denis New, But regardless of how critically acclaimed every one of his movies have been, historically, they aren't really blockbusters like uh i'm pulling it up right now what the blade runner numbers were just for one example but um none of his movies uh there we go couldn't type and talk at the same time (laughs) uh okay so here we go none of his movies really are that commercially successful uh blade runner 2049 for example only grossed $260 million. It only grossed that much money uh, globally. I'm just confirming that was globally. Um, But yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, uh, globally. But um, uh, domestically, it didn't even gross $100 million. It grossed $92 million. So think back to how big that production was. Elaborating because it's. I was say, can you ask the question before you continue elaborating? Because I feel like I'm going to have to think about this answer. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, I'm just throwing that out as an example. I'm not going to go through every other movie. And I didn't have the tab up okay. when I was trying to ask this. But so Blade Runner is clearly a big movie. It had like the 150 to $200 million budget. And globally, it only made $260 million. Like... Probably made back its budget, but didn't bring back everything. It didn't make a massive, like, half a billion dollar profit. And none of his movies otherwise have. Like, Prisoners is not that accessible of a movie. Blade Runner's clearly not that accessible. Sicario is not that accessible to a casual audience. So, why do you suspect that Warner Brothers up the ante in terms of the budget. Like, clearly Dune has about a half-million-dollar budget behind it, if not, like, three or four hundred million. And it's from a source material that has been called unfilmable. 
why would Warner Brothers, like, why do you suspect Warner Brothers from a business standpoint would want to bring in this director and invest this much money into him to probably not turn a profit, let alone before COVID happened? Like, Blade Runner didn't make money before COVID happened. So why now, like... I don't know, what What do you think Warner Brothers is suspecting will happen? Or uh, what do you think Warner Brothers is thinking right now, investing this much money into a movie that even before COVID was probably not going to make that much money? Um, It's an X Factor. And to throw this thing? out there, too, they they greenlit this movie before COVID, by the way. They definitely greenlit this before COVID. Oh, yeah. I, mem- I remember the rumors of the Dune remake, like, the past two years. Um, But... It's an X factor thing, and the the best way I know how to sum up probably what they're thinking is he puts forth. I mean, as much like I didn't like Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I can't deny that that's a fantastic movie, though. It's just not my kind of movie. He he makes fantastic fan- looking movie. You mean? No, or- dude, the story's good. Like, dude, okay, it's not my kind of movie because it it spends way too much time on atmosphere. But if you take that out, like, it's a pretty good story. It's a very good story. It's very well acted. It's got very good visuals. It it has, for the atmosphere it wants, it has good atmosphere. It's just not my kind of movie. But he uh, makes... It's one of the best films of 2018, listeners. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, no, that's... I'm I... not, okay, that's not what we're here to do. I'm just saying, like, even yeah, someone yeah, yeah. that doesn't like... I just wanted to take like... that jab at you. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, even as someone that really does not like that movie... That movie still is very good. Like it's it's a it's a very like I I will say it's an incredible movie. It's just not for me. Um, and he puts out these incredible movies. I think what it is is they're continuously sitting there waiting for him to make a movie that where they're like, okay, he has the chops to make an incredible movie, and we need him to create a movie that's like a pop culture sensation. And so they're just kind of waiting for that X factor to kick in. And they're like, that's a lot of faith in a director that has consistently not turned in the profits though. That's what I'm getting at. Like, that's why I'm specifically asking you, like from a profit standpoint, like why do you think Warner brothers is actually giving this guy a big as, as big a leash as they have? Cause they're still like, waiting for it to happen. After like six movies though. Like that's an amazing leash that he has like given. Yes. I, I will fight to the death that Denevil news, one of the best directors let me, working let right me now, it- but let me put it this way. You don't want to be the guy that fired like the next great big thing. And he could be with the movies he's turning out. If, if they find that one thing that is missing and it clicks and it goes off, he could be like creating the, like one of the most popular directors and creating the best movies for a very long time. The thing is you don't want to be the guy that fires him right before he hits it big well i mean one could argue that he somewhat has like outside of just like the sheer like the numbers of it like again like no the numbers aren't there but multiple oscar nominations critical acclaim there's a dedicated audience that's there but it's a it's bigger than cult status but it's not the russo brothers it's not marvel it's not even DC movies, people hate most of the DC movies, but they make money hand over fist compared to Blade Runner or Prisoners or Arrival. Well, the they just too, don't man, have the Oscars. The advertising for his movies sucks. 
like oh, I don't remember a single trailer. I don't remember a single trailer for Prisoners. Somehow I saw it. I don't remember anything other than the teaser trailer for Blade Runner 2049. I barely remember any advertising for Sicario. They don't advertise this guy's stuff. And maybe it's because he's blowing all his budget on stuff other than advertising, but they don't advertise his movies very well from what I can see. Granted, I just got into paying attention to this much more closely than I used to, but I I really don't remember seeing his movies advertised very much. I remember Arrival had a pretty had a pretty serious ad campaign uh, back in. Oh, he did Arrival. Sick. I remember. I remember that one. That one had a good advertising campaign. But that's like the one movie of his that I can remember an advertising. Yeah, and that was. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> now people just look back at Arrival as the one time the Academy screwed. Uh, Amy Adams out of an Oscar nomination like everybody thought that she was going to get a win for that movie and then she wasn't even nominated which is an atrocity she was one of the best performances male or female that year frankly and then she didn't even get a freaking Oscar nomination Hmm. but yeah that's Um, my little tirade on a rifle I I don't really know how to I don't. I don't really know how to answer your question past that. Like that's the best answer I can give you because it's one of those things where you just people are afraid to be the guy that was wrong. So sometimes they'll hold on to their wrongness longer just to make sure they aren't wrong prematurely. Like look Dude, at what the I Cardinals front office has done with the all their prospects and the pa- prospects and free agent signings in the past like seven years. Dude, I hope that's the case. Cause if honestly Denis keeps getting to make movies with Warner Brothers' blank paycheck, like ride that ride that horse until it dies, dude. Cause I again, I think Denis Villeneuve is one of the best directors working right now. If his name is attached to anything, I will go see it. There are rumors that Denis has been or has been planning on making Dune a two part movie, even though this trailer doesn't say it's going to be a two part movie. I. I know I'm not going to read Dune before now, but, like, if he's taking that much uh, detail out of the book into the movie, that doesn't bother me. I know the whole part craze finally died because there were so many movies that didn't need to be two parts, but as far as I know, Dune is not a bad argument for making a two-part movie out of it if you want to actually tell the story start to finish. Like, from what I've heard, like, Dune needs to be, like, a miniseries or a five-hour total two-part movie, like, and... And from a creative standpoint, irregardless of the money, I can't imagine a better director for this after the guy that made the also unfilmable sequel to Blade Runner. And it was a, a home run to me. Blade Runner 2049 is one of my favorite movies when it came out. So, I don't know. I'm pumped for it. Like, it was just a it was just a trailer, whatever. Like, nothing really, like, that spectacular really stood out to me outside of a handful of, like, money shots. But... Again, the fact that Denis is making ad- an adaptation of Dune, like, I don't know. I'm I'm super pumped for it. Uh, I'm guessing you are too, to a certain extent. Yeah, I think it should right. be. I think it should be interesting to watch. Ah, uh, dude, maybe. Oh, dude, maybe it was on Prime, but it's not there now. But hopefully, before it comes out, maybe we can watch the the David Lynch Dune for the Time Machine before it comes out. Kind of like how we did Kane. Yeah, maybe, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, well i mean listeners we'll let you know if we end up watching dune i i'm down for it like i mean our <laughs> our time machine list is already kind of long but uh but yeah anyway uh we had to talk about that too because that trailer dropped 
while the wedding was happening as well. Uh, the next bit of news that we have just happened uh, yesterday. We're taping this on the 18th. Uh, on the 17th, just yesterday, it was reported that in Great Britain, the Batman has resumed filming as Robert Pattinson has been cleared of all COVID symptoms. He tested negative for his latest test, and the Batman has resumed filming. Uh, it was already pushed from June 2021 to October 2021 because of COVID itself. Uh, basically, the biggest thing is, from this story for me was that Robert's okay. He didn't have... I mean, we don't know that... Robert's not going to go in front of a reporter and talk about what he what it was like with COVID and probably until next year when the movie comes out, but uh, when he's on his press junket. But uh, I don't know. The biggest thing for us, I guess, is that, Robert, we're happy that you're okay. We're happy that the movie's coming back out or getting back into production. And uh, yeah, just everybody that uh, that's hearing us right now, <laughs> wear your damn mask if you're not on a film set, people. Come on. Uh I mean, Nick, do you have anything to add to this? Nah, it's neat that it's back. I guess he punched COVID in the face pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, COVID's like, who are you? And then he grabbed him by the throat and just bop, 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 bop. Like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, that was just a little blip of news that we saw that we, thought, that we thought was worth letting you know. The Batman is back on schedule to come out in October 2021, as long as filming keeps going on, uh, the track that it's going. Uh, the next story, another little thing uh, we don't need to spend that much time on. Sasha Baron Cohen of The Ali G Show, Borat, Make Great Cultural Learnings of Kazakhstan, or wherever the whole title is, Bruno, The Dictator, he apparently has completed filming, or at least 90% completed filming, and had a rough cut screening of Borat 2 Great he do it multiple times? He's had multiple screenings of the movie, from what I heard. Uh, the last thing I read before he started taping was a Screen Rant article about um, just one specific screening, and then... Apparently, somebody reached out to Screen Rant and, like, disputed what exactly the plot was. So, like, listeners take a lot of this with a grain of salt outside of the fact that there is video proof that Sasha has been out in public in Borat costumes with cameras in front of him. So, I'm not going to say within uh, any kind of time frame when we'll get Borat 2, and even the sequel title is kind of just rumored, but apparently, within the near future, however long that is, we are gonna get a sequel to Borat, the 2006 most controversial film of the year. Oh, this makes me so excited. Like, I, I'm excited to see how well the character's aged. I want to see what Sasha does uh, in order to film this movie. Uh, because th 2019 is definitely not 2005 uh, when he filmed Borat. Uh, and then just like two years ago, he dropped uh, This Is America, this Showtime docuseries where not as Borat, but like dressed up as various different random, like overly like satirical characters. But like he was in like makeup and would interview actual politicians and just catch them off guard and make them look stupid and 
honestly, This Is America was pretty awesome. I'm kind of sad, but understand why it was only on for one season, but uh, because of the covertness of it. But I don't know, the prospect of getting a Borat, like a relic from the mid-2000s that was such a cultural phenomenon back then, I... I I just want to know how he made this movie. Like, once it comes out, I it's I yeah, I want to know if the movie's good or not, and I want to examine and critique the movie. But I would love to just sit down with Sasha and just talk to him about like Jesus Christ, dude. Like, between this and this is America, how the hell do you keep your anonymity, and how do you get away with like, what kind of documents does your crew sign, like NDA wise? Like, how do you get talent to get in front of the camera with you uncensored? Like, I. Just, how he makes whatever he makes is more fascinating to me than the product. Like, even if the product's good, like, I like This is America, but I don't know. My mind is just blown away, like, that the fact that we are going to get a Borat 2 eventually. Uh, I don't know. What do you, What did you take away from this revelation that Borat's going to come back into our lives? Apparently a lot less than you. Um I mean, I think it's pretty. Was Borat neat. not the phenomenon uh, that I took away from it versus what you thought of it? <laughs> dude, it was just quotable. Like I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I've actually only seen Borat like once. Uh, maybe oh, dude, are twice. you serious? Yeah. Um, oh, I own I mean, Borat, and I've watched it. I've watched Borat like five or six times. I love. That I think movie. my sister owns it. We got it when we were in like high school or middle school, and I think my sister has our copy, but. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be neat. I think it'd be interesting to see, especially in an age of, <clears throat> excuse me, social media, what Borat would be like in that. But I apparently took way less from this than you did. I didn't have a big think piece. I just kind of was like, well, that's going to be kind of an interesting thing to see. And then I went on with my life. Oh, dude. I well, given this drop during your wedding too, not, 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 not like holding oh, that against you, kind but like at the same time, kind you of, were kind of, kind of, kind stuff. of. <laughs> Kind of something that I said to you during the wedding week was you like, you didn't give me a heads up on this. And I was like, I had a lot on my mind. Yeah, no, I don't. I even if the wedding wasn't happening, I don't I don't blame you. Like Borat probably meant a lot more to me than it did for you. But uh, and you didn't watch This is America, right? Because uh, you don't have Showtime, right? Correct. OK, so, yeah, you didn't have that shock of like I was, I'll, I'll put it this way. The trailer for This Is America dropped a week before the first episode aired on Showtime. So just out of the blue, in seven days, Sasha Baron Cohen made a whole docuseries where he interviews politicians in ridiculous costumes and makes them look stupid. And it was like, oh my god, like, Sasha, we haven't seen you since uh, Bruno back in twenty six or uh, 2009. Like, what have you been up to, dude? Or, uh, or no, The Dictator in 2012. So, like, we haven't seen you in, like, six, five, or five or six years. Like, what's going on? And then he does this, and This is America is great. And it's, like, it's the same thing. He gets the same kind of, like, off-the-cuff reactions where the people kind of don't realize that, like, his questions are teeing them up to make them look dumb or say something that makes them look as bad as the media perceives people to, uh, how they are. So... Um, take that as you may. I love This is America. I thought it was great, but I said it to you off mic, the fact that Borat was made in 2006 before everybody really knew how to 
uh, like, really use a a smart at the time phone and before like we only had facebook at the time and only a handful of people had facebook instagram wasn't real yet twitter wasn't real yet instagram was definitely not real yet and like uh consumer cameras weren't really that big a thing yet so he made borat at this perfect time like right before he couldn't necessarily get away with uh being filmed as a character in front of a ton of people so, the fact that he made Bruno was kind of amazing, because that came out in, I want to say, 2009. Like, maybe I could argue that that was the last big, like, the last gasp of him, like, doing it the way that he would do it. So then when This Is America came out, it was like, how would you get away with this? Like, and you drop the trailer a week before it drops? Like, you clearly made this and released it with the utmost secrecy, and... I'm willing to bet that he's absolutely pissed right now that people know that a rough cut of Borat 2 exists. And then, I it's... Who knows? It's probably going to drop on video on demand five days after the trailer drops. I, I don't know. I just... I'm fascinated at the way that... The, the fact that Sasha has stuck to his guns the way that he creates the satire. And has attempted to adapt with the times given the technology and the exposure and just the way society uh, has changed so much since the Ali G show even back in 2003 all the way up till now I just I don't know regardless of how Borat 2 comes out I would just love to talk to him about like Jesus Christ dude how are you still doing hidden camera interviews in full makeup like I how how many people did you walk up to and they're like, oh, you're Sasha versus the one person you actually got on camera. Like, I, I don't know. An interview like that would be more fascinating to me, but that doesn't mean that I don't want to see Borat too. Again, I apparently thought way less about this. I was like, okay, cool. I'm moving on with my life. <laughs> okay. So we're okay. So that means we're definitely going to watch Borat for the time machine now, <laughs> or at least Bruno. <laughs> uh, I'd be open to Borat. I've never seen Bruno. You know who uh, Bruno is, though? Yeah, I, I remember the trailers and stuff. Okay. Uh, all right, no, you've, you've never seen the Ali G show, right? Did, or is the Ali G show no, on YouTube? No, like, I have not seen that, no. Okay, because the Ali G show was... It was him as, like, this yo-yo gangster for, like, part of the episode. And then Borat would show up for a segment. And then Bruno would show up for a segment. And it was like a, a culmination of like the three different personalities, Ali G, Borat, and Bruno. And yeah. then that's when they all separate into their own movies, like Ali G in the house, Borat, and then Bruno. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll finish my little tirade on this. I, I just, I'm so excited. Like anytime Sasha Baron Cohen shows up in the news, like because it's so rare, I just, ugh, I don't want to let go of it. I just, I would love to actually just sit down or like, if he went on like Joe Rogan or, uh, Mark Maron's podcast, like talking to somebody about their craft for like an hour and a half. I'll, I would consume that so fast, dude. Uh, Sasha, if you happen to listen to the show, we would love to talk to you even for 30 minutes. Uh, <laughs> in or out of character. Oh dude, absolutely. Uh, preferably out of character, but Hey, if we got to talk to Borat for 30 minutes, I'd be down for that too. <laughs> <laughs> or any other character, honestly. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, the last 
story that we want to talk about is just a uh, a brief recap on the latest state of theaters. There was a lot of little things that are worth at least mentioning that uh, theaters have been going through, especially because of the release of Tenet. Um, as of this taping right now on the 18th again, Tenet has made over $200 million globally. Uh, not really so much thanks to the United States, <clears throat> but um, it has made over $200 million globally uh, since its release on Labor Day. But since then, the little bit of news that has come out from other people is that uh, Sony, who owns Columbia Pictures, they announced that they are they're just not going to release any movies. Just straight up, nope, we're not going to release uh, that Jared Leto vampire movie. I already forgot what the name of that was. Um, they're Morbius. They're postponing uh, Amazing. Oh, Morpheus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're not Morb moving forward yes. with uh, Morbius. Yes, yes. <laughs> not Morpheus. <laughs> uh, they're not going forward with uh, Amazing Spider-Man three yet, or um, anything that's on their slate, like anything that they've already like completed or in the middle of filming. Like Columbia Pictures and Sony have said that they're not going to release anything in theaters for the time being. Uh, Warner Brothers, who distributed Tenant, uh, have decided that Wonder Woman twenty four or twenty forty nine, <laughs> Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four is now no longer coming out October fourth. It is going to come out on Christmas Day, De- uh, December twenty fifth, uh, because of the lack of domestic money that Tenant brought in, which was uh less than fifty. I don't have the number in front of me, but it was not that much money. And then. On the Disney side of things, Disney is more or less just... It's, we're just, as of right now, waiting for the official press release, but they are more than likely going to delay Black Widow once again, and, to a greater extent, they're thinking about releasing the latest Pixar film, Soul, on Disney+, Plus instead of in theaters this November. So, I mean... Pick and choose, dude. But any of those stories kind of stick out to you as uh, notable or worth talking about? Uh. <laughs> no, just as a whole, kind of something I talked to uh, you about on mic multiple times. Uh, just because theaters are open doesn't mean I'm going to go, and it doesn't mean the world's going to go back. Like, yeah, it's open. Uh, some people don't fully trust the safety measures. And... Frankly, you will not ever be able to convince every single person that, you know, the safety measures are 100% foolproof. You just won't. So I don't – you're bummed more than me, but I think it's because I was already like this is going to happen more than likely um, a while ago. This is not surprising to me at all. In fact, I kind of expected something like that to happen where – Basically, theaters are open, but the movie industry is not getting the return that they were getting. So it might lead to, hey, we have to stop putting movies out in theaters until we, uh, until the world is in a situation where you don't have to hand sanitize after you like touch a doorknob, or right, right. It it just it's it is 
it's huge news, but it is some of the least surprising huge news I can remember in recent history. Well, luckily for Warner Brothers, uh, not really touching so much on um, Sony, because, I mean, Sony, that's all the news is, is that they're just not releasing any movies. They're kind of getting on... They're they're just making their own stances, just like, no, we just... We are not going to be the company that releases a movie that doesn't make any money. Like, I, it, video on demand, I didn't see anything about it, but uh, at least theatrically, like, Sony is not releasing any movie anytime soon. So... Uh, Warner Brothers having release or having the rights to War- uh, Wonder Woman. I mean, honestly, Warner Brothers. The fact that they made two hundred million dollars already should have at least covered the budget. I mean, n- numbers numbers with movies are always kind of suspect. Like nobody ever knows except for uh, people directly involved with the production, like the accountants and ads and things like that. Nobody knows exactly what Tenet cost unless they are on staff with Warner Brothers. But I think it's worth noting that since Labor Day, that it already made $200 million. They at least covered their budget. I don't know what the marketing numbers were, but maybe they took a loss on that. But theoretically, they probably made their budget back. If not, didn't take that big a loss on it. Like, there's still the revenue for... Purchasing Blu-rays, 4K discs, and uh, video on demand when it finally goes on video on demand. But I don't know. I personally think Warner Brothers shouldn't think that it was as big a failure as it could have been. But at the same time, I can empathize with the fact that they saw the domestic numbers for Tenet. Because the domestic numbers here in America were, ooh, they were pretty bad. (laughs) They were pretty bad. This movie, like, I don't even think Tenet made $50 million in America. So... It makes sense to me why they're just like, okay, let's delay Wonder Woman until Christmas. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's best I can sum it up. It's just, yeah, it's open, but it doesn't mean the consumers are ready to come back at it. I don't find it surprising. Right, right. Um, tying it into Disney now, uh, the, the last little note I had on it was... Um, Obviously, Disney is probably going to delay Black Widow. They didn't hint that they were going to drop Black Widow on Disney+, Plus, but, I mean, who knows? That could change after you all listen to this segment. But uh, there were murmurs that they were going to do Soul on Disney+. Plus. Uh, I, I don't know the history of the money that Dis- or Pixar makes. Like, I mean, Pixar has made a lot of money with certain movies here and there. Like, Finding Nemo, for example, made a boatload of money. But... Um, I don't know. Putting that on plus for $30 a pop, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like we need a little bit more time to see, like, what they end up leaking because um, literally today, I sent you this today, uh, Yahoo Finance ran some numbers, like, the best numbers that they could. Like, listeners, this is educated speculation, let's say. Um, I'm pulling it up right here on my phone so I can read it verbatim, but, uh, I sent you what Yahoo Finance said, uh, analytics from, uh, seven perk data determined that 29% of us households with Disney plus subscriptions bought Mulan through September 12th. So six days ago and the day I got married. <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, this is based on uh, Disney's most recent earning report. 
which claimed the streaming service has over 60 million global subscribers. Seven Park uh, assumed U.S. households make up 50% of that. So 30 million people presumably have Disney Plus in America, meaning, when you break it down, 9 million subscribers bought the film. So, by that count of 30 bucks a pop, Mulan domestically earned $260 million. Tenet had $200 million globally in movie theaters. So, theoretically, Disney made the right call. I, I, I don't like the ramifications of that for us having to wait three months to review a movie for the for the show if it doesn't go into theaters like i'm honestly kind of mad that we haven't talked about mulan yet even though i wholeheartedly want to stick to our guns of just like no screw you disney i don't want to pay 30 bucks when i'm already paying you 12 bucks a month but now that mulan technically has actually made a lot of money i don't like what this future kind of holds i it kind of bums me out that mulan actually made this much money like i I mean, yes, the, the the movie being a success for the people that worked on it, yeah, kudos to you guys. Like, honestly, you want to make a movie to, so it makes money, but I don't know. Maybe it's circumstantial because of Corona, but I didn't... Just, just projecting how I feel about Disney is going to look at the money and just be like, oh, well, we could put any movie on Disney Plus and charge people 30 bucks. Like, I don't know. This makes me kind of really sad. I, I don't know. What do you what What do you think about that? clearly less than you uh <laughs> just as <laughs> again it, just, i'm the one with the film degree that reads about this stuff every day every day <laughs> yeah i got sports to watch but i can barely care less uh but <laughs> just it, it goes back to what i was saying if you guys want your money that desperately figure it out through streaming because that's the way the world's going. You open this box. You can't close it again. Just figure out how to make your money from it. Does this bum you out, though, that, like... No. Now that... Well, Mulan has made this much money being at 30 bucks a pop, like... Dan... Dan I mean, maybe this is a little... Impart, maybe this is a little imp- inside baseball for the show, but, like... Let me impart some actually, news to you. Like, let me impart some news to you. I have a television on my wall in my living room that is so large, I laugh when I watch it because it is just so ridiculously huge. I don't feel like I need to go to the movie theater anymore. Let me sit in the comfort of my recliner and watch my 70-inch television. Because that's what I choose to do, and let me pay you to do it. Do you want to pay 30 bucks a pop for a movie, though? Like, even between you and your wife, like... Uh... Honestly, if I was a general consumer not seeing every movie every single week like we do now, yeah, I'd probably be fine with it. Uh, I mean, for some movies, sure. Like, I mean, we definitely didn't need to see Primal in a theater, like, and I'm kind of glad we didn't, but... <laughs> yeah, like I've said a million times before, and I don't know why you keep acting like I don't say it. I'm fine with going to theaters. I really am. But at the same time... Stop acting like having to see a movie is the only option in the world. It's not, and it's a very archaic way of thinking. Embrace the future or die, and right now, your industry is dying because you have your thumb up your ass and you don't know what to do with streaming. Figure it the fuck out. I just don't want to lose the theater. That's the only thing. Like, it's not like what going Bill and Ted is doing. 
It is not going to go can, away. I promise you, as niche of a thing as it is, and there's people like you, yeah, it's going to stay around. It's just not going to be that packed. So figure it, figure it out. Figure out a way as a theater chain how on earth you can make money by streaming by having a streaming service. It's simple. I think Bill and You're Ted. a distribution. You are a distribution service. That is what a theater is. You are distributing a new product. Figure it out. Figure out how to use the internet other than just like, yeah, download the movie, we press play, and the big screen plays it. Figure it out. I want a future where everybody follows the Bill and Ted model. And what I mean by that, because I'm sure you didn't look at it like I did, Bill and Ted had limited theatrical runs, which in this day and age right now is basically every theater that wasn't... uh, Landmark, Cinemark, Regal, AMC, basically every mom and pop like uh, like a like an Alamo or like Yes Cinema or like uh, which by the way I'm surprised Yes Cinema didn't get it, but uh, <laughs> uh, little little mom and pop theaters like that, basically every mom and pop theater in the country got Bill and Ted, but it was also available on demand at the same time, so people could either go to the theaters and pay like. 8 to 15 bucks to see it in the theater, or you could just pay the, the, the premium on demand 20 bucks and watch it at home. That, to me, I hope is the model that movies follow. Because, I mean, yes, you're right. I'm the guy that's going to try and see every movie in a theater because I like the theatrical experience, regardless of what the movie is. But if studios can actually get on board and look at Bill and Ted and say, hey... Maybe we can do all this at the same time. Even though, yeah, theaters are going to push back and just be like, oh, well, we want the exclusive rights because we need all the money. Like, somebody's got to give. And as much as I hate to say it, like, at this point, yeah, like, whether it was inevitable or not, I guess COVID was the, the big pushing point where it was inevitable, but now COVID was finally what broke the camel's back. It was just like, well... Theaters, you can only do so much, and you just need to adjust expectations accordingly. The studios are making more money than you do anyway, so we want to distribute it all these ways, and you know what? You're going to lose money in the long run, but we're going to make more money, and that's the bigger goal. Like, yeah, theaters, like, you employ people and all that, but we make the movies. You just show them, so... As long as they don't go away, that's the only thing. Yeah. Like that's theaters are a distribution the Bill and Ted, but the Bill and Ted model to me is ideal. Yeah, theaters are a distribution service. Figure out how to distribute it. Figure it out. I'm, like I said, I'm tired. Just, just I'm tired. I'm tired of this being like the fourth time we've had this conversation because no one can come up with an idea. I'm not paid a bunch of money to distribute films. I'm paid to fix cars and approve oil changes. <laughs> That's not my job. People people in an industry that to distribute movies, figure it out. My god, you've had nearly an entire year where your theaters are closed. No one can consume your product and you're making $0 while shelling out money to advertise your movies. Figure out how to get your money back. Figure it out. Just figure it out, not oh, let's just wait around till movie theaters open back up and just piss the money away. Figure it out, man. Well, you got to think about it this way. Like, this has been so ingrained into, like, the norm. Like, 
you got to think about like how much oil companies are pushing back against renewable energy, like solar panels, wind farms, things like that. Not to get super political, but like <laughs> how big a deal gas companies yeah, it's hate they can get more renewable torque, energy. <laughs> well, think of it. It's it, it's the same kind of deal. Theaters have been the way to watch movies, and arts and energy are not the same thing, but it's been so ingrained as to, like, this is the way to consume the art of cinema that, and there's so much money that goes into people who work for the cinemas that the loss of revenue in one way to distribute the the, the wealth in other ways, it's all going back to the studios that distribute and partially, if not fully, pay for the movies. Like, they're making more of the money, like, but the majority of the money was coming from the theaters. Like, uh, on-demand, home media, and streaming are an afterthought. Like, they're pennies on the dollar compared to the theater. So, it's a way of making everybody happy. Like, obviously, the theaters aren't going to be happy, but it's convincing for the greater good. Like, this is where things are going to go. And maybe, yeah, it's got to be that hard decision. Like, hey, theaters, you are going to lose money. That's just the way it is. And, again, like, that's just the biggest thing. Like, I don't want to see them go away, but if they become, like, a... For the people that work at cinemas, like, if this is just the way of the milkman, it's just evaporating, not in our lifetimes, like, they hopefully don't evaporate in our lifetimes, but it could just be going the way of the milkman, you know? Look, I'll sum it up as best I can. I will give you money if you figure out how to get this into my house. I will give you no money if you continue to shut your theater down and act like nothing's happened. Figure it out. This fear this fear of disappearing so we're not going to act on it is going to make you the next blockbuster. It's going to. Figure it out. Develop something. Figure out a way to distribute it. Because right now, you're not doing your job. What are you doing? Well, do you think that studios over the next couple days or weeks after we tape this are going to look at this theoretical $250 million that Mulan made and think, oh, well, people are actually paying that much money to watch it at home at a $30 price tag. Like, what if No Time to Die says, oh, we're going to be $20 instead of $30? Or even at they're, $30, just like, hey, they're moronic we're do the if same they're thing. not having that conversation, Dan. They are absolute idiots if they do not have that conversation. Okay, I just wanted to hear Period. you say that. Like, <laughs> I've said I just it three wanted to hear times. you say that. <laughs> this is like the fourth time we've had this conversation. I've said it three times before. If you're not having well, no, a that's conversation speci- that's to specifically out how to get your money in that moment, create a sense of urgency. Make people think the only way that they can see that movie right now. I mean, yeah, once we're back to normal, yeah, maybe don't create a sense of urgency to where you have to watch this at home or you're never going to see it. But right now, just t- like create a sense of urgency. Get people to buy, and they will watch the movie. I don't understand... It's time for the artists to shut up and let the business people run the business because the business people are going to keep them alive, not the thinkers and dreamers. Dude, I uh, I don't know if you saw it. I was uh, I was talking to somebody that's a friend of the show um, about Tenant, and uh, we were debating about the kind of scar that this will leave on uh, Christopher Nolan's career. Uh, and we both agreed that, like, obviously external forces aside like his ego getting in the way of like letting this come out later or 
be at home because Chris was so adamant his, about like you his have to ego. See the his ego sums up what the movie industry is doing right now. To which I said that as as lucky and happy as I was to have seen it in a theater, like I, I know I'm in a small privileged group of people that have seen Tenet in a theater and hopefully you can see it in a theater too. Like I, w- I want to talk to you about the movie regardless, but I hopefully you can see it in a theater too. Just selfishly, I asked that. But, uh, <laughs> but um, at the same time, it made me think, he needs to have a sit down with Quentin Tarantino and Martin Scorsese because uh, Martin Scorsese is very much an advocate for the preservation of film history. Like, uh, and he was very much an advocate on shooting on film. Like in, he's all about like preserving the history of film. Like, so we know like where it came from and like remembering the people that shape filmmaking as an art itself. Uh, and just what they contributed to the art form. So when he shot The Irishman, not only did he shoot it digitally, but he also uh, did it in partnership with Netflix. And then to the same token, Quentin Tarantino, he's still a, a, a filmophile. He still shoots all his stuff on film. He hasn't gone to digital yet. But when Netflix approached him to do an extended cut of The Hateful Eight, he worked with them and didn't just release an extended cut of the hateful eight. He made it like a mini series, quote unquote, where it was four parts that were all either 45 minutes or an hour long. And he broke it up as like an, this episodic adventure instead of just one long movie. Like the hateful eight was a long three hour movie. And then now this three hour, 45 minute cut, I think how long it was. He edited it. So it deliberately has four different act breaks. So it's like a four-part miniseries. And he did that with Netflix. Scorsese worked with Netflix and shot digitally instead of shooting on film. So if these two titans of the industry can embrace these aspects of the modern times, that's why I'm saying, like, Christopher Nolan needs to sit down with these guys so Scorsese and him can go, like, dude, Take a deep breath. This is the state of the industry in 2020, and you need to accept it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I'm so over this argument of, like, I'm not trying to I, argue with you. By the way, I'm just posing questions and just well, this is, pouring this my is heart the, out. This is the fourth time we've had this conversation on mic, or fifth. yes, yes, it is. And, yes, no, uh, yeah, the state of my, the theaters. My, yeah, my, this frust- is the- <laughs> my frustration. Obviously, my frustration got the better of me, but my frustration doesn't come from you. Like, you are very much, like, I you you have the point of, I really want movies to stay in theaters, but I understand, like, you now, like, after the last time we talked about it, you're like, I now kind of get, like, how I might not be right, but this is what I believe in, so this is what I would do, but I don't think everyone should have to adhere to it. What I'm getting really tired of is just the excuse that I hear from, like, Hollywood and movie news where they're like, well, we don't know what to do. Well, you know what? It's your job. <laughs> Figure it out. Because well, if I guess I'm we're just going to delay it again. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm at my job and I don't know what to do, I ask a bunch of people, and then I get consensus, and then I go from there. Not just sit there for months on end going, no, we got to wait to do this one thing, and we're not bringing money in, but they're paying me. Like... 
figure yeah. it out. Seriously, my God, we're on month what twenty seven of lockdown. Like we're on month we're on month six. Pump the brakes. <laughs> feels like twenty seven. But just well, we're my, about to be we're about to be in month seven. So, but my God, man, just. I, I Let me take a moment to appreciate that we're a week away from month seven of I'm, freaking quarantine. Yeah, but I'm a results guy, and right now no results are happening, so I'm not too happy. Get it figured out, guys. Figure out a way to capitalize on it. Figure out a way to make twenty dollars on it, or what? Like, I I I understand the sticky situation of. Well, if we char only charge 20 bucks, but they invite eight people over, that's not as much money. Well, it's not as much money better than no money? Yeah. Then you should probably do the better than no money option. Get that's it what figured I'm saying. out. Like, take, that's what I'm saying. Take advantage of the Bill and Ted situation. Like, uh, we haven't talked about it on the show. Like, I, uh, I know we didn't talk about it for trailer talk at one point, but uh, I uh, just casually online i saw that antebellum do you remember the trailer for that the janelle monet uh slavery movie yeah yeah antebellum is on demand right now and as far as i know it didn't have a theatrical rollout so it's only on demand and yeah we could watch it at home like we already have the schedule set for next week uh and for most of the immediate future but i don't like I don't like that, and I don't like what Mulan did. Like, I, I, given that some theaters are open, like for the sake of them, like, yeah, they're not going to scrape in probably the amount of money that they that justifies being open for operations costs. But like, all I'm saying is that in the long run, like that's that probably needs to be the norm. Is that like if you want to go out, word, go to Alamo Draft House, get a pint or two while you're watching the movie, and you get to watch the movie, or if you want to stay at home like you with your honestly amazing amazing 70 inch 4k tv word you're gonna be happy and you get to see the movie and the studio still makes money too so i yeah that's i i will i will give that's just the, i will give my last thought in this in this question if yeah let's, artists, let's go ahead and wrap it up yeah if <laughs> if artists feel like they shouldn't be dictated that or feel like it's of artistic interpretation to watch the movie in a theater don't you also find it to be another artistic interpretation for me to interpret your your art as the way i want to like if i'm giving you the artistic freedom to watch your movie give me the artistic freedom to want to consume it however i want also hear, i'm i'm out of beer i, I, I need, hear what I you're i hear what you're drink. i hear this what you're saying <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, we've already gone in the segment long enough. I would, I would like a minute to rebut that, but we've already gone long enough on this segment. Uh, even though we needed this kind of time frame, given we were off for two weeks, but uh, <laughs> but no, I I hear what you're saying though. Like in terms of like movies, like I was about to go on the whole thing about like art as a general. Like, okay, well, you want to critique uh uh Mona Lisa. Uh, on Google Images, on a pixelated image, instead of going to France and seeing the Mona Lisa there under the Le Mieux or whatever the the museum it's in, like <laughs> I was I was about to make a really like that's why I want to take a minute. To, and I was, was just like, oh, Dan, calm down, calm down. 
It's just chill. Yeah, that's why I'm that I'm I'm so that's tired. Why I took a minute. I'm so tired of this argument that I, I I I you're not going to change my opinion. Just figure out a way to do streaming. It's that simple. Just figure out a way to do this. It's the Bill and Ted model. That's that's really like that's where I'm going to meet you in the middle on. Just it's the Bill and Ted model. Just do it all. Just yeah, do it all. Just get it in theaters. You can go get in theaters and be on Make, demand at the same time. Just get it in theaters. Get it on streaming. Make the money you can. You're turning into yeah, EA just be, with video games. You just can be milking as much money as you can out of it. Just stop. You can be in theaters and paid on demand at the same time. Just because you're on the internet doesn't mean you're free on Netflix. Like you can be on Amazon Prime and charge people twenty bucks a pop. Like just because you're online doesn't mean that it's automatically free. Like, yeah. like right now, yeah. Like, uh, we're hell. We're reviewing a Netflix film next week, which yeah, it's only free yeah. to the extent that like yeah, we pay for Netflix, but uh, we could easily be paying thirty bucks for Mulan or. We could finally be paying twenty bucks to see King of Staten Island, like we, <laughs> like we could have like back in June, but we still haven't yet. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I after these seven months, it's yeah, that's just our latest update on. Just the, give the me new theaters, stuff I to watch. Like, I know, like, I know it bother. I know it bothers you, but I honestly get a lot of joy talking about this with you. Like from your perspective, honestly, like it honestly I'm helps. I'm so sick of tired, and, tired of talking grounded. about this. I'm I'm so. I know over you're it. tired of it, but I know you're tired of it. But I honestly get such joy out of it. Like, do you not get any joy of like taking me down a peg while we're talking about this? <laughs> not really, because I've done it so well all the times that we've done it. It's just. Like Tom Brady winning his fourth Super Bowl after three. Do you really care? No, okay. I wasn't. Okay. I was. I thought you'd be a little more gracious than that, but okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I set you up for that, so I'll, 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 I'll take that on the chin. <laughs> uh, but yeah, guys, that was. Uh, yeah. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, we had a lot to talk about, but that's all we got for you. When we come back, you will hear our thoughts on our first film of the week. The 2019 independent film starring Nicolas Cage, Primal. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. That is it for this Brownie Bites news segment episode of Brownie Points. Thank you so much to Isla Marfin of Fugay for the bumper music between the start and the end of this episode. And, of course, uh, thank you all for listening to us talk about videos instead of the movies. <laughs> uh, but uh, the next episode that you're going to hear us talk about, like I already said, is the Nicolas Cage independent film from just last year, Primal. Uh, this Thursday, uh, Primal is dropping on Tuesday. The following Thursday, just two days after that, we will be talking about the 2000 Darren Aronofsky film, Requiem for a Dream. Which, if you listened to our episode two weeks ago, I was looking very, very much forward to it. But, uh... But honestly, no. I think it, I think we had a pretty great discussion about it. Uh, 
it was not quite as traumatizing as I anticipated. Um, even though I texted you throughout the movie, I kind of was... <laughs> I couldn't wait for it to end, but... It, I don't know. I guess I just set the bar that high for me that I was expecting it to be even more traumatizing than it was, but it, I don't know. I got through it. I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about on Thursday. Uh, this Tuesday is primal. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Do you want to tease anything? Like, since I already kind of teased those episodes? No. <laughs> okay, then. I... <laughs> I'd very what much like that? to be uh, done. That segment ran a long time, and we also talked 20 minutes before we started recording. This is true. This is very true. So, <laughs> I guess with that, uh, guys, that's what we're going to be talking about later on this week. Uh, in those episodes, you'll know what we're going to be talking about uh, next week. So, we'll save that for then. Nick, let the listeners know where they can reach out to us on social media. Facebook. <laughs> Facebook, not Facebook. <laughs> Facebook, Brownie Points Guide to Cinema, Instagram, Face Brownie, unders- <laughs> Brownie Points, or Brownie underscore Points underscore Guide, and Twitter at Brownie underscore Cinema, as well as Brownie Points Guide to Cinema at gmail.com. Send us list ideas or t- countdowns, Brownie Bite stuff, uh, movies you want us to go out of our way to review, whether they are in theaters, streaming, hopefully streaming if the theater chain's figured out. Uh, or um, <laughs> leave us reviews wherever you're listening to us. Uh, make sure you leave us a review. And if we start seeing ones we like, we'll start reading them on air. That's actually the best way to help us grow at this point. Absolutely. And uh, as always, we will always be in your ears unless another gigantic wipe event happens uh, <laughs> here on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Anchor.com. And I know we have foreign listeners that listen to us on Overcast, along with a couple other platforms. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to us, uh, taking time out of your day to listen to us just kind of talk about whatever in the news or uh, whatever movie or movies we ended up watching for the week. Uh, As I've been doing for a couple weeks now, uh, just given the unrest that's going on in the world, uh, the biggest thing right now that you can do is just shut your mouth with a mask preferably uh open your heart open your ears be empathetic be kind be courteous tip well and just look out for your fellow brother look out for your fellow human being and we will continue to inch closer to that light at the end of the tunnel that looks like it's there and honestly it's getting brighter just it's getting brighter even though certain things are happening right now, but we will get there. Don't believe we won't. We will get there. We just got to do it together. Don't be selfish. Be kind. Don't be stingy. So with that, that is all we got for you this week or on this episode, not this week. Uh, (laughs) That's all we got for you on this episode. We'll be back Tuesday with our thoughts on the Nicolas Cage film Primal and then Thursday with our thoughts on Requiem for a Dream. We'll see you then. So, you saying don't be stingy. Um, I wish the weather wouldn't be stingy with rain right now. My lawn's super yellow. I'd really love some rain, so get on that. I think think Facebook would be a great Facebook group for hockey obsessives. You should should look into founding that Facebook group. We we had a group chat between me, Tyler, Dustin, Jake. 
think like two, uh, maybe Casey and I think another kid uh, a couple years ago, and I I came up with a name for the group. It was Shut the Puck Up, and uh, frankly, <laughs> I'm really sad that this this I think it was this past hockey season I didn't like we didn't turn it on again. I, I I'm really disappointed because that group was great. That's funny. I would join that even though I don't watch any hockey. <laughs> Dan sitting there's like, I don't know what this means, but the name's funny. Oh, my uh, my team name for one of the fantasy football leagues I'm in, I'm just here to win a hat. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, dude. Uh, in, case, uh, in case anyone was wondering why I'm in that league, I'm just trying to win a hat. Oh, dude. Definitely save that story for next week. Let's, let's go <laughs> ahead. Let's go finally, ahead and save that for next week. It's finally over. We can leave. someone left a rehearsal for a wedding in an ambulance on a stretcher